Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is happening in the general election count? Well, what indeed. It has been a wild day outside with Storm Kira, and a pretty wild day across count centres with Sinn Féin romping candidates home with huge first preference votes all across the country. We now, it seems, have a three-party system, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil as the two big parties and maybe a half uh, smaller party propping them up is no longer uh, what we have in Ireland. Mary Lou Macdonald may bemoan not running more candidates when she sees just how much her party colleagues are exceeding the quotas by, but really, how could she have seen this coming when no one else did? So we're bedding in for a long count in various constituencies where Sinn Féin will be probably less visible over the next 24 to 48 hours as Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, the smaller parties and independents scrap for third, fourth and fifth seats. For the night that's in it, we're going to switch up the explainer a little bit and I'm going to tour the Journal.ie's newsroom so our reporters can explain some of the biggest stories of the election so far. Now, just for your listening information, we are recording at about 9.30pm on Sunday. So obviously things will be happening live, um, but we're going to just bring you up to date with the big news stories of the election campaign. First up, Grania Nia is going to give us a rundown of where we are right now. Grania, as I said, it's about 9.30. Talk to us about what seats have been filled, who has been filling them. It's so interesting to see who gets the first seats and and who doesn't as well. So out of 34 seats, around 34 seats that have been filled so far, Sinn Féin has 24 of those, which is huge, huge uh, poll toppers across the country. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, Some independents take uh, four seats. Greens have three. And the two main parties, you know, the fall of that has been kind of documented and and covered a lot in the run-up to to polling day. Fine Gael have won. Fianna Fáil have won, which is incredible. Um, and so Fianna Fáil's won is the Ciarán Corla who is automatically re-elected. Exactly. So it, it is, it's such a good indication of how um, seismic and how mad this result is, really. Um, and we're only 34 seats in out of 160. So there's a lot, there's a long night to go, but that is a great indication of how well Sinn Féin have done. But it's not really an indication of what will keep happening because Sinn Féin are going to run out of candidates to get in, they only have 42 candidates. So that's the, they're going to hit a ceiling pretty soon. They are. Um, and if you look at those poll toppers, you can see where they could have added extra candidates really easily. For example, Denise Mitchell Dublin, she got 21,000 votes, which wasn't expected. Uh, Top the poll there. The, the the quota was half of that. Uh, the same with David Cullinan in Waterford. He got 20,000 votes. Uh, the quota was 10,000. So again, easy for, for a second uh, candidate to be running those areas. Johnny Mythen in, in, in Wexford won 18,000 votes as well. So there's a, there's a huge surplus there from him. Now, completely unexpected there. He got 800 votes in, in the local elections. So... That's why Sinn Féin didn't run these candidates. There's those kind of numbers that they were basing, cutting down their their ballot paper uh, in the run up to the general election. But still, it's an, it's an incredible um, poll topping kind of result. And, and we'll be hearing a bit more about why that happened in, in the coming days. So in terms of seat numbers, then, who are we expecting to catch up with them in the next 24 hours? Will we end up with what the exit poll showed, uh, a tie in percentages? Will there be a tie in seats? It's interesting because obviously when we were looking at the exit poll, the percentages all matched up. It was 22, 22, 22 between Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Um, 
as we look at first preference votes, which is obviously very limited, uh, limited knowledge, um, it looks like Sinn Féin have, are edging slightly ahead on 24% of first, first preference votes. Fianna Fáil slightly behind them on 22% and then Fine Gael on 20%. So as the night goes on, Sinn Féin will get their candidates in, in most of their constituencies. Um, and then kind of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael might get one in, in each constituency as well. But there'll be a real dogfight for the final seat in a lot of constituencies. And it's really hard to predict because a lot of seats, if you see how they transfer, differ greatly between depending on what constitu- constituency you're in. So other than Sinn Féin doing really well, it is all to play for. Um, and the way those Sinn Féin uh, surpluses transfer as well, because this vote was or this vote seemed to be so focused on housing and change, those surpluses are going to be hard to predict and massively influential in the vote. Are there other any other parties um, looking like they're going to do well outside of Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and, and Sinn Féin? Um, I, th- it's, I suppose it's hard to say based on how you define do well. I think Fine Gael will be happy that they stagnated their decline somewhat. Um, Fianna Fáil won't be happy. They have a steady kind of result, but they won't be happy they did they didn't do better, particularly, um, you know, in areas where this was meant to be a, a great comeback for the party. Um, I think the Greens say that they're happy, but I think it was a Kieran Cuff that said it wasn't the spectacular the result that they were expecting. Um, uh, so they might not hit the fourteen seats that they were hoping for. I don't for. think It'll so. Be lower. I think so. I don't think that. I don't think that fourteen seats was was ever in play. Um, uh, it seemed to be overstated. Uh, and elsewhere, Labour looked to be around four point five percent on first preferences. Their candidates seem to, or their their polling seems to be very candidate driven. So it'll be an individual vote rather than a vote for for Labour. Um, Solidarity PVP are around two point four percent of of first preference votes, and the SOC Dems are on two point nine. Independents are doing well. They seem to be up on around twelve percent of the vote, um, and you can see that three four of the 34 seats elected are independents. Um, so there's a, a strong brand with individuals. We were looking at that with the fall of the independent uh, independent alliance. Um, Barsh on to the end. Yeah, exactly. That, that they kind of uh, either retired or weren't getting re-elected or, or left the independent group. This is interesting to see that actual independents uh, have, have retained their hold in the Irish electorate. And just going back to Solidarity PBP, Richard Boyd Barrett topped the poll in Dunleary. Yeah, um, he's not quite elected yet, but he's close to it. Uh, and obviously his, he gained a massive support after that leaders debate. A lot of people were were um, drawn to him after that, but he's always been strong in, in, his, in his area. Um, Breed Smith was also, she wasn't tipped to be re-elected as easily as she as she was and uh, she easily made the quota in the end which is interesting because they were saying that she would be just beaten to the, the um, to a seat by Joan Collins and remember the last time that is she just about got a seat but she's obviously built up her brand quite significantly now and she is a solid uh, TD in that area. Yeah, it looks like a lot of the Sinn Féin votes are transferring left. So um, those candidates are picking up. We're going to go to, uh, thank you very much for that, 
uh, Grania, we're going to go now to our political correspondent, Christina Finn, who has been at the RDS all day, uh, kind of looking at what has been happening and kind of the colourful moments that often happen in uh, the Dublin County Centre. Christina, can you let us know what it's been like there for the day? What's your standout moment? I think the crowds down at the RDS um, when Mary Lou arrived was probably the, the high point so far. There was just such a media scrum as she arrived into the count centre that people were elbowing people out of the way just to get a shot or just to get some sort of closeness to her. So it's quite a different reaction than you would have seen in past uh, general election campaigns for sure. Was she jubilant or do you think that there was a little bit of regret? We've just been talking here that she didn't run like more than 42 candidates. I definitely think in hindsight, they will definitely look back and say, God, we should have put more candidates into the field. Just looking at the surpluses that people like Denise Mitchell and Desi Ellis are getting, um, you know, you're talking 8,000 or 9,000 surplus votes. They could have easily fielded second candidates in a lot of constituencies and got another few seats. But I think that will probably be Something that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will be thinking about if we enter into talks about a possible second election this time, sometime this year. So they'll, they'll be trying to avoid that. Definitely, because if you see some of the support that they got in so many different constituencies, they will definitely be looking to double their seats uh, if there is another election. Who knows, perhaps the support will have dropped by then. But I'm not sure whether Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael would be willing to take that chance. You, you mentioned Desi Ellis and his surplus there. That was one of the early moments uh, of the of the count today. Uh, he was certainly in jubilant mood. No, definitely. Yes, there was uh, some scenes here with Desi Ellis uh, singing out the, um, the Black and Tan song, which obviously was one of the songs that was narrating this election campaign with the uh, RIC commemorations, which really, as we've discussed before, I think was one of the initial problems for Fianna Gael from from the start. There was uh, scenes here where there was flag waving and um, I was told that Sinn Féin kind of told, uh, told Desi Ellis and his team to, you know, just quieten down. It's early days. He was one of the early people to get a seat and just to not be so jubilant um, uh, at that time. Was that because there was a little bit of disquiet on social media about the singing of those songs or was it more about keeping the the party like dampened down for now? I asked about that uh, because there were some reports that they had been, I suppose, reprimanded as such that that's not the sort of image they wanted to put out for this election campaign. But I was reassured that it was merely that they didn't want people to be getting ahead of themselves so early on in the day. And, and I was reminded that actually it was a, a best-selling song uh, after all the controversy after that. And I think a lot of those proceeds went to a homeless charity, which was also pointed out to me. So it didn't seem that they were overly concerned about um, the criticisms of it online. And in terms of other parties and individuals uh, we've seen in the RDS, what have been the standout kind of moments that have got crowds going or have elicited, elicited some surprises? Uh, well, definitely Breed Smith was jubilant uh, only a short while ago when she got elected into her seat. Uh, she was very thankful of her team and also Sinn Féin, the votes that um, the surpluses that were getting transferred over to the left. She was very uh, critical of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, saying that this election was very much 
the breakdown of the two-party system, which has dominated Irish politics for generations. And this was very much a message from the electorate. Um, we also had Pascal Donoghue here shortly, a uh, short while ago. He was, again, sticking to the stance of Fine Gael that they are not willing to talk to Sinn Féin. They haven't changed their mind on that. But then he did acknowledge that the electorate, the electorate seemed to want an appetite for change. When I asked him, was Fine Gael that change that he thought people were looking for? He said that all parties will have to go back to the drawing board as such after this election and try and address the concerns that voters have been obviously voting for. Yeah, you've seen uh, Owen Murphy has appeared in the RDS already. Um, what was the reaction to him when he got there? There was a, a few boos, I think, as he came into the RDS, but there had been speculation that he was uh, his seat was not safe in Dublin Bay South, uh, with Kate O'Connell perhaps uh, tipping, uh, taking his seat. But at the moment, it looks like his seat is safe. Kate O'Connell's perhaps not. But uh, all eyes are really on the Sinn Féin candidate there, um, Chris Andrews, and possibly Kevin Humphreys for Labour at this point. Yeah, and J- Jim O'Callaghan, not a sure bet for Fianna Fáil there either. No, definitely. And I think they'd be pretty concerned about that because he is one of their probably most high profile, you know, front bench people that they put out a lot in the media. So I think they'd be very concerned about losing him. Anything else? Uh, I know uh, Christy Burke has been uh, in the count centre all day. He's on his 10th election. Uh we probably won't know about his fate for a while. No, he's in flying form, though. He's well used to it, he said. Um, he has his election ritual that he tends to head into his garden or go get his hair cut. But today he said that he was just taking it easy, reading Mick Clifford's book, that he'd been here before. He thanks the electorate for coming out to vote for him. But he has been here before and he doesn't take anything for granted. But it would be definitely uh, a welcome event for him if he was to get in after his 10th time running. Great, Christina, we'll leave it there. I'm going to go do the rounds of the newsroom now um, and hear from everybody else who's been reporting. Good luck for the long night ahead and we'll talk to you tomorrow. So we're going to leave the RDS and I'm actually going to head out into the newsroom from our soundproof studio here, um, which is an unusual thing to be doing at 10pm on a Sunday evening um, in the Journal.E's headquarters. Um, But we're going to talk, I think we've been talking a lot there about the winners of this election or those of who are in, I guess, pole position right now um, as we're recording Sinn Féin. But we're going to go to Sean Murray, who has had the job um, of looking at the losers of this campaign. I think it's always important to remember the human effect of people losing their jobs, but we do have to have a look at who has not performed, who has underperformed, who might be safe but still unhappy. And I think in that vein, let's start with Leo Varadkar. He is safe, but is he happy, Sean? Well, he becomes the first Taoiseach since the 1980s with Gareth Fitzgerald to not top the poll in his constituency. So he actually wasn't elected until the fifth count in Dublin West this evening. And it was, it was interesting that Paul Donnelly, who won the seat for Sinn Féin, he topped the poll by a large margin. And he said he'd been expecting to fight it out for the fourth seat. So I suppose in just in that one example in Dublin West, we're seeing what's being mirrored all around the country. It's Sinn Féin topping the poll and Fine Gael kind of struggling to get seats on the first counts. Any chance of Leo Varadkar bringing in a running mate in that constituency then? No, just as we're talking now, his running mate has been eliminated and usually you would expect a sitting Taoiseach to be able to get their second um, running mate in and that just not happened. And that's that's 
that's kind of indicative of how badly it's gone for Fine Gael. And not an easy night for Michal Martin either. Yeah, he had to wait until the six count and Leo Rackard might be happy at that one small fact that he got in before Michal Martin did. Michal Martin topped the pole in Cork South Central in 2016. But this time around, again, Sinn Féin topped the pole with ease. Donegal Lira becoming the first uh, TD elected there. So it's it's been hard for the two main parties and it's been hard for their leaders as well. Yeah, interestingly, there was a lot of people in Sinn Féin who were worried about that seat uh, in Cork South Central, but ended up topping the pole. It's been that kind of weekend. Um, let's get on to more people who have actually lost their seats. Probably the most high profile one, our former Minister for Sport. Yes, Shane Ross is out in Dublin Rat Down. He was trying to strike a tone of, ah, don't worry, he didn't get in this time, but that's how politics goes. He was quite magnanimous when he was talking to all the media and he said that he was running in a very volatile constituency. But I think that does, it's hard to escape the fact that he had topped a poll there at the last two general elections. And it, it's, it's a major scalp to get rid of a serving minister and he has suffered. Yeah, and the Independent Alliance is no more. Um, well, they, they'd kind of been fractured since before the election. Like we had um, John Halligan announcing he was retiring and we had Finney McGrath also announcing that they were gone. But any kind of semblance of them guys sticking together is now now kind of dissipated. Kevin Boxer Moran is in a real struggle to get into his constituency in Longford Westmead. And he was kind of striking a strange tone. He was kind of blaming the voters. He said he felt let down by them. Where, whereas independent Sean Canney, who was part of the Independent Alliance, he has got back in in Galway East. Any other noteworthy uh, losers this evening, for want of a better word? Well, as we're talking now, this, uh, none of these are confirmed, but um, one, of the, one of the biggest losses for Fine Gael could be um, Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty. Fine Gael had two seats in Mideast last time out with um, Hoare and Helen McEntee, but it looks like just Helen McEntee will get in for Fine Gael there. Um, also, the government chief whip, Sean Coyne, is in trouble in Galway West. Um, all in all, it's a very bad night for the government. They're, they're, they're losing TDs left, right and centre and it's Sinn Féin who are topping the polls. And of course, Noel Rock, another prominent Fine Gael TD who is likely to not be back in the 33rd doll. Um, anybody else who would be well known who is uh, likely to join him elsewhere? Well, we just had it confirmed actually in the fifth count that Leo Riker got elected in Dublin West. Uh, Labour's Joan Borton had lost her seat. She'd been a stalwart of the Labour Party for for the last few decades and it, that, like, that's, a, that's a major loss for the Labour Party who are having a bad election in general. Um, also in danger are, is uh, Fianna Falls health spokesperson Stephen Donnelly and people might remember him. He topped the poll comfortably in Wicklow in 2016 when he was a member of the Social Democrats but it seems as if the voters have not taken kindly to him joining Fianna Fáil there. And the person who was actually going to get his seat is likely to be a Social Democrat in um, Jennifer Whitmore which is kind of ironic and it, it's shows that there's a strong base for that party in particular. Um, Catherine Murphy was speaking on RT earlier on and she said that the party was only targeting maybe five or six seats, but they were targeting in, in what they felt were the right areas. And that might have paid off. Uh, one last name for your Catherine's opponent. Will she get in? Will she not? Do we know yet? It's not confirmed yet, but it's looking very, very unlikely that she will keep her seat in Dublin Southwest. Um, she'd been Minister for Children over the last few years in the current government and it seems as if the voters have turned away from her. Cool, I'd say that won't be the definitive list of uh, people who've lost their seats but thank you very much for bringing us that. And from those we definitely won't see in the 33rd all to those who we will see but what will it look like? Um, I'm joined by Stephen McDermott now. Um, well actually I've joined his desk to be more precise. Um, this morning, or last night when the exit poll came out, and this morning, we were all saying it's going to be very hard to see a government coming together. Has anything become a bit clearer in the in the hours after? 
Yeah, it is a little bit clear. Um, I guess the main thing we've seen is the surge at Sinn Féin. Um, it's deviated slightly from the exit poll last night. All parties were kind of on about 22%. Uh, Sinn Féin are on in and around 24 now, and uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gale are both trading them by a couple of percentage points. So Sinn Féin are the largest party. Um, as counts are coming in, our first counts are coming in, rather, absolutely surging. Uh, it's just a couple of things uh, we're talking about coalitions to be aware of. It's 100 160 TDs in the doll, so that's a uh, so that's a magic number for 80 uh, for a majority because you count Kawarla. Sinn Féin are only standing 42 candidates, which is important because that 24% first preference isn't going to uh, convert into enough candidates for them to be able to form a government. So we have what Donald Rumsfeld called known knowns and unknown knowns. So the known knowns are the things that we definitely know, which is Fianna Fáil will probably be the uh, biggest party in the Dáil, uh, followed by Fianna Gael and Sinn Féin. Uh, we're not quite certain how many seats they're going to get, but if those um, uh, first preferences trans- or when those first preferences translate, that's a situ- where the situation is going to be. Um, Michal Martin, before the election, was making eyes at uh, Labour and the Greens in particular. Uh, the first preference counts are kind of seeming to make that Labour, Greens and the SOC Dems are going to be out. He's probably not going to be able to form a coalition with them. Just doesn't have the numbers for a majority. Um, the unknown knowns, which are the things we are aware of but can't predict, is, as I said, Sinn Féin will get a significant number of TDs. Uh, but their vote share above Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael means that they have a massive mandate. You're hearing this talked about a lot by commentators today that, you know, there's kind of a clear mandate for change from, from you know, the two-party system we've had for 100 years with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael there. Even if they don't get the TDs, you know, the electorate kind of want them uh, to form some part of the government. So the main option we have, I guess, uh, given Fianna Fáil's numbers and Sinn Féin's mandate is a Fianna Fáil-Sinn Féin coalition. And like I said, Sinn Féin topped the poll, but Fianna, Ga- or Fianna Gael have said that they won't go into them, even though they're, th- they're in third place. Um, Fianna Fáil had originally said before the election that basically that they were in... in- they were incompatible uh, to go in with Sinn Féin, not just because of Sinn Féin's history, but Michal Martin had actually said that uh, just uh, Sinn Féin's economic policies weren't essentially appealing to him. That mood kind of seemed to change a bit early today when the first preferences started coming in and we saw, like I say, that mandate for Sinn Féin. Uh, John McGuinness was kind of the first high-profile uh, Fianna Fáil TD to say that essentially we were opening the door, even slightly. He has said that before, so from... Michal Martin or people on what would have been Michal Martin's team have they changed tack? Michal Martin himself has said that like I say, he, he sort of opened the door. He said he's heard the people speak and that there has to be compatibility, you know, when it comes to talking to Sinn Fein. Now he didn't say we will talk to Sinn Fein, it wasn't as you know, dead certain as that. But it certainly wasn't like Leo Radker and even Simon Coveney and Pascal Dunn who were saying, which it was under no circumstances will they talk to Sinn Fein. Michal Martin basically didn't rule it out. Okay, so there could be a a clear-cut option of a Sinn Féin-Fianna Fáil coalition come Tuesday morning. Yeah, well, look, it depends on who speaks to who. Um, Mary Lou MacDonald very early today uh, was kind of suggesting that she was actually talking to left parties, the likes of Labour, Solidarity, PBP, the Greens, uh, to form a kind of alternative left government. 
Uh, she said she hadn't really heard anything from the other parties yet, but as you say, come Tuesday, who knows who's talking to who. Those numbers wouldn't work out without a confidence and supply arrangement with someone else, correct? No, that's exactly it. So imagine like the last time when Fianna Gael had independence propping them up uh, with kind of uh, Fianna Fáil abstaining and confidence and supply. That got them over the magic number. If, you know, Sinn Féin could do that, you know, if they could get a few people on board or maybe get, you know, 50 or so and then have... But Fianna Gael won't do it by you know the sounds of you never know Fianna Fáil might up to um up to abstain on certain votes and things like that again but yeah like I said you know remains to be seen it's all up in the air yeah that would that would be a hard one to see but thank you for gazing into that crystal ball and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. We're going to go back to that Sinn Féin um, result or or expectant result with two of our reporters who have been looking at it um, throughout the day, Ronan Duffy and Dominic McGrath. Dominic, you've been looking at kind of the rise of Sinn Féin, how quick or slow it's been over the years. Um, You know, how outstandingly quick is it or is it something that we should have been expecting by now? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, It's kind of both been a very quick surge, but also a long time coming. Um, depending where you count back from in terms of the history of Sinn Féin, it could be a very, very long return to frontline politics. But if you're going from, you know, the first time uh, Sinn Féin TD was elected in the South, that was 1997 in Cavan Monaghan. Um, now, what, 20 years late? No. We are old, Dominic. <laughs> a lot longer than that. Um, a lo- um, it's... It's very different. I mean, we're seeing a Sinn Féin surge that is truly unprecedented. Um, We are seeing Sinn Féin winning in places where they were seen to have not have any hope, really. Um, So places like um, Clare, places like Mayo, oh, they they came very close in Galway East. Again, a usually sort of tightly fought constituency between um, Fine Gael and Fafal. And in some ways... I think Jerry Adams today summed this up best. Um, obviously, the former president of Sinn Féin, where he was talking about um, how you know you in a political movement you sort of plant a seed and you let it grow, and it really is quite remarkable to see in some ways how quickly it has grown from very early, maybe perhaps even amateurish roots to this sort of professional party that is. I think it's not unfair to say on the cusp of power. And I think a lot has been made today and will be made over the week of a youth quake. But unless you're describing everyone under the age of 65 as... Ruth Carpenter has lost her seat. Uh, Sean, something big has just happened there. Sorry, Dominic, we'll be back to you in a minute. Uh, So um, Ruth Coppinger has lost her seat in Dublin West. That's seen as a bit of a shock. She had been fancy to do well there. Um, She's lost her seat to Green Party's Roderick O'Gorman with uh, Jack Chambers and, as we mentioned before, Leo Radker and Sinn Féin's Paul Donnelly completing the the suite of candidates in Dublin West. So we've probably seen Sinn Féin transferring green there rather than left. Well, actually, um, Sinn Féin's Paul Donnelly's transfers had already gone over to um, to Ruth Coppinger, but I, I assume it's Leo Varadkar's transfers and the rest that's um, that's gone to the Green Party in, in this in this occasion. Great. Thank you so much for that, Sean. Now, back to Dominic. I was just saying the youth quake, unless we describe everybody under the age of 60 or 65 as young, this is much more than that. It is. I mean, you could have read, I think, dozens of articles before the election that how it was the young who were sort of charging this Sinn Féin surge and how I think some of the parties might have been a bit complacent because, as we all know, the youth don't really turn out and vote, especially that 18 to 24 category. But when the exit poll was released um, at 10 o'clock last night, we got a shock. Um, Sinn Féin were 
the most popular party in every age group um, up to the age of 65, um, which I don't think anyone, including us uh, journalists, were expecting at all. Um, and it's really changed the, um, the, entire, um, the entire election. Um, you know, Ruth Coppinger, for instance, is a perfect example of we've no idea where Sinn Féin transfers are going, whether it's benefiting the left, whether it's taking support away from the left. And it, so the, the fact that it's not just the youth who are throwing support behind Sinn Féin has really upset every single calculation of what this election was going to be like. Ronan, talking about what, who was expecting it, Sinn Féin themselves weren't expecting it. If you look at the candidates they selected, only 42 in 39 constituencies. Um, but it has meant that they're exceeding quotas by absolutely insane numbers. Yeah, I, th- I think our, our latest count is that we, they've had 23 poll toppers. So, like, although Sinn Féin, they are clearly going to be privately disappointed that they haven't run candidates in some areas. What it has allowed to happen is that their vote hasn't been split in any areas. So while Fianna Fáil might have two candidates who together are getting a similar vote to Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin have a single candidate who's topping the poll. And we've seen that, like I said, in 23 different areas. Now, you could say that you know Sinn Féin were understandably perhaps a little bit nervous. They didn't want to to push for those extra seats. And we see a, a custom in Donegal four years ago when they went for three seats and they ended up, it, it didn't work out for them. And in, in this this case, they've gone for two seats there and they've won those two seats. So they were played it a bit more conservative and it worked out. Um, but there are some areas where you have to say that, you know, they were far too conservative. I mean, we see in Mary Lou's own constituency, she had um, a huge quota that she could have passed on there. We've seen in David Callanan in Waterford. You know, these were constituencies where I think um, they they should have known there was an extra seat there. But of course, there are, there are some areas where, you know, it, it's been a surprise. And I think Wexford is one of the areas where they could not have expected to have that kind of a surplus to pass on. That's where Johnny Mighton is, and he would have not—he would have lost his council seat um, just a few months ago. Yeah, he went from losing his, his like I said, his council seat um, only last year, and now he's been elected to Dáil with a quota and a half. So it's a huge turnaround. Um, he, he was elected with close to 19,000 votes, while whereas Labour leader uh, Brennan Howland is currently running in second. I don't think he's been elected yet, around 10,000 votes. So like I said, that's probably one of the areas where they wouldn't have expected to to run. Um, that second candidate, especially considering the fact that, you know, we only had um, a by-election in Wexford. There was four by-elections in November and Wexford was one of them. Johnny Mighton ran in that in that by-election and he got 10% of the vote. He's after increasing that now to 25% of the vote. Like, that's what, a 250% increase over the course of a few months. So, you perhaps forgive them in those areas why they, did, why they didn't run another candidate. The other areas where there was by-elections, we had seen Dublin Midwest, where Mark Ward was elected for Sinn Féin. He's now been re-elected uh, alongside O'Brien, Ona Bryn. So that was an area where they did manage their vote very well. And Thomas Gould in Cork North Central performed very well in that by-election. He ended up in second place and now he's after been elected in first place. Um, so again, we see some areas where there was perhaps a hint of this vote, but nothing on that scale. And it's quite historic what has happened in Tipperary for Sinn Féin. Um, yeah, I, I don't, don't think it's... No, we don't have any... Um, 
final results there in Tipperary. Well, we do have final results, of course. Um, Michael Harvey's been elected in Tipperary. I mean, that goes without saying. But we have, because it's kind of a strange tip, um, um, strange constituency, Tipperary, in that there's three independents, and it's it's quite unpredictable. And then we had that untimely death um, on the last week. So it's been kind of one of those constituencies we wouldn't have expected. But now, Martin Brown from Sinn Féin, um, he was never meant to be in, in contention, but now he's very much so after polling in second place. And um, he looks like he, he, he will take a seat there. Dominic, you were going to mention, um, we've gone through the by-elections and the locals and why Sinn Féin were kind of understandably a little bit nervous going in. Um, but they also had their elections in Northern Ireland to look at and maybe they were also making them quite shy about going gung-ho for, for two and three seats places. That's the thing, because there is another border constituency where Sinn Féin did very badly very recently, and that was, of course, foil in the December um, UK election. And the Sinn Féin candidate there, who was an incumbent MP, much more experienced than some of the candidates we've seen elected um, this evening, uh, they lost by around 20,000 um, votes, which is remarkable to the SDLP. And, you know, people talked about one of the reasons that Sinn Féin and the GP got a deal recently um, in the North was because of the fear of an election. They didn't want to go to an election. So it's remarkable that across the border here, we see this massive Sinn Féin surge, a huge boost in popularity, whereas in the, in the North, traditional Sinn Féin voters are actually sort of flocking away from them in some respects. Um, I also wanted to mention, though, I'm going to defend Sinn Féin on their vote management strategy just a little bit. Because I think, and Owen and Britain mentioned this earlier, um, they fight elections in the North in a first-past-the-post system. They also fight it here in our PRSTV system. But importantly, Fine Gael and Finnefall have been fighting elections here for, what, nearly 100 years? Sinn Féin just don't have the experience of fighting elections um, in um, PRSTV, in these sort of sprawling constituencies. And it's a very complicated job, you know, vote management. We've seen Finnefall, Fine Gael mess up numerous times when it comes to vote management. Even now today with Kerry. Exactly, even even today. So it's not a, it's not um, an easy thing to do. So I can't really blame Sinn Féin too much for actually being um, a little bit cautious, especially as Ronan said, that experience of Donegal was, I think, especially um, difficult for them last time. So to add to that, I mean, I'm not going to give Sinn Féin the credit to say that they perhaps planned this in advance, that they wanted to win a load of poll toppers to kind of have this very visual thing. The whole day, we've been talking about Sinn Féin for the last 12 hours. That's been the number one story. And that's because they've got such a huge number one vote. And if you want to make a statement, they've made a huge statement. And I'm not, I, who knows if that was their plan all along. I doubt it, but you know, it, it's played well for them. People will go to bed tonight, Sinn Féin are in poll position. That will even itself out by the end of Monday night, Tuesday morning. But people will probably not be able to get past their head that Sinn Féin have been number one for, for the entire day. I think also it probably doesn't follow that if you have twice the quota in areas that it would be very easy to get two candidates. It's not as simple as that. You do need to do that vote management. And if there's no experience of that, then it's not the same as you could literally transfer the votes across. No, I mean, you look at it where, where they have won two um, seats. You look at it in Dublin Midwest where they have Ono Brain and Mark Ward. The two people who work very closely together, Port McLaughlin and Pierce Doherty in, Dar and in Donegal. These are areas where they're quite familiar with each other. And in Cavan Monaghan, I think they ran two candidates in Cavan Monaghan before. So they, they've built up that experience and, and, and that's why they've done it in these cases. So as Dominic said, perhaps it, it was a learning curve and they, they, will, they, will, they will move out and do it in more constituencies as it goes on. Um, something else to bring up um, talking about this surge and the ORI 
I see um, debacle, I guess is the right word for it, at the start of the year, Dominic. Um, it was started, well, kind of started by a, a Fianna Fáil um, person, Cahill Crow. He's He was a councillor. He's running now. What's happening to him? And also, is there a wider story there with the Sinn Féin surge? So we're going to be talking a lot about the reasons for the Sinn Féin surge in the next what, weeks, months. But I do think the RIC commemorative scandal is a good place to start. Um, Cal Crow, um, he was the, is the mayor of Clare. Um, he was the first person really to raise it, as you said. And, you know, you could argue he was, you know, always going to do particularly well. He was a big name in the local area. But I think, um, I think the Irish Times actually were down and they talked to him as well and talked to locals in there and they reported that the um, RIC commemoration scandal given him a big boost. So it definitely has helped him. Now, we have to point out exactly. he's a Fianna Fáil candidate so, and he was quite forthright in coming out kind of against the grain in bringing that but he certainly brought it to attention and Sinn Féin were one of the parties that certainly were strident in, in, in jumping against the, the RIC controversy. Importantly, um, the importance of Clare is that, you know, Clare is the opposite of a Sinn Féin stronghold. Um, there's never been a Sinn Féin candidate even within a shout of, of getting a seat in Clare. Um, and it's, I think that's really helped. So uh, the, the Sinn Féin candidate in Clare should probably come in, I think, second. Is that right, Ronan? Um, so I think that does go to show that there were votes there, that people were just angry at the government, angry at Fine Gael over this. So I think if you can argue it's helped someone like Al Crow, you can probably make the assumption it's helped Sinn Féin as well. If I could just bring up, we talked there about Stronghold. I think we were perhaps going to mention um, Limerick City, where, where Willie O'Dea hasn't topped a poll there. Um, Maris Quinlevin have Sinn Féin has topped a poll there, has been elected, I think, on the, on the first count there. It's, um, it's not a surprise that he was elected. You know, he's already a TD, but... You know, Willie O'Dea, it's almost a joke how dominant he is in that constituency. Obviously, we had Michael Noonan before, but, you know, the constant joke was that Willie O'Dea, you know, elected himself, didn't bring his running mate, and it was all about him winning, the getting getting in the first vote, and that hasn't happened in this case. So um, it, it's perhaps just um, a representation of how Sinn Féin um, will be the story of this election. Um, They'll certainly, by looks of it, have the biggest popular vote in the state. They won't have the most amended seats. That will go to Fianna Fáil. But, uh, well, we don't know that for sure, but it's looking very likely it will go to Fianna Fáil. But Willie O'Dea won't be happy that he didn't get the first seat there. And I'm sure he's God that Fianna Fáil won't be happy that um, they didn't get the largest number of votes either. Yeah, it's definitely a sign. Thank you very much, Dominic. And thank you very much, Ronan. I am going to have a look at my producer's phone here and he's just showing me Mary Mitchell O'Connor has been eliminated so Mary Mitchell O'Connor Fianna Gael, another high profile um, Fianna Gael TD who has lost her seat um, but actually to um, it looks like um, the other Fianna Gael candidate Jennifer McNeil will get in or she has been elected, Jennifer Carroll McNeil has been elected on the 8th count we are going to exit the newsroom now. By we, I mean I am joined by executive producer of The Explainer and deputy editor of the journal, Christine Bowen. Hi, Christine. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, danger of live recording or almost live recording. Um, we're just going to have a little chat in studio um, about what to expect over the next couple of days um, because the count obviously isn't over. It is shutting down in some places, though, already. We're at now... 
20 to 11 and we have some counts already ceased for the night. So most of the counts in the ODS have already been suspended um, and that's obviously the biggest count centre in the country. It's where all of the Dublin City Council um, constituencies are, are, are counted and there's only one of them left and we think it's going to wrap up in, in the next few minutes. It's a bit unusual. Normally they would go through till maybe 1, 2, 3am um, but it's also probably a bit more humane on the staff who've been there all day as well. Um, they're going to be back at 10am uh, tomorrow. So I'm kind of interested in whether or not that's because it's a Sunday are our staff across the country going to be saying do you know what we'll all be back tomorrow morning let's just be kind What's of a bit the point of three hours yeah, yeah I mean it's more fun I think for journalists covering it but just you know for the actual people having to do all the counts it makes a lot more sense to and, and what should our listeners be expecting from the journal tomorrow well <laughs> drama <laughs> so so at the moment the projections are saying that Fianna Fáil are probably going to be the largest party with about 45 seats and that means that the ball is going to be in their court in terms of, of trying to form the next government um, but who will it be with and I think anyone who tells you that they know what the next government is going to look like is is lying they, <laughs> nobody knows what's actually going to happen over the next few days um, because I think uh, Michal Martin had said in the last few days his preference was to have a kind of centre-left government so looking at Labour the Sock Dems and form a government from there but we can see that the numbers aren't really there. Labour um, has underperformed the Greens but a good election but probably not a great election not the numbers that they would have needed to have this kind of um, government that uh, Michael Martin would have been looking at and we saw Simon Coveney came out late this evening and he said that the likelihood of doing a confidence and supply arrangement is very low he, he said um, Fine Gael will either play a constructive role in government which means uh, you know coalition partner or will be an active party in opposition which is very very strong coming from the Thornish um, basically saying that they won't be supporting a Fianna Fáil government in the way that Fianna Fáil have supported them um, over the last few years so you know, it's not surprising. They've seen the impact that confidence and supply has had on Fianna Fáil in the last few years, like looking at these poll numbers today. Um, so it's not that surprising. But what it does show, what it does mean is that Fianna Fáil are going to be looking at Sinn Féin. And we've seen, you know, we've, we've talked about that a bit, about the softening of the, the language that Michael Martin has been using today around, uh, around uh, Sinn Féin. But there's obviously huge barriers to the two parties actually um, sitting down and, and forming a government. So I think tomorrow it'll be interesting to see are we going to see even more of a softening? Are we going to see a phone call between Michal Martin and Mary Lou MacDonald? Um, are we going to see a photo op between them or anything that will indicate that actually one or both of that, that, that really Michal Martin is open to the idea of this being the next government? That there is some thawing. I did hear from sources in Fine Gael today that there is a lot of people very happy to take opposition benches for the next few years, which might be understandable after nine years in government. I don't know. I mean, there's that saying that somebody said from Labour once that the worst day on in government is still better than the best day on opposition. And you kind of do think about that. And I think it's part of the reason why Fine Gael may not want to even do a confidence and supply with Fianna Fáil, because why would you want to go from being ministers to being supporting a government and getting the criticism, not getting the praise and not getting the ministries, more importantly, after nine years? I think that's a really excellent place to end our explainer tonight. Um, I hope that brings you all up to date um, with what we know so far. We will be back tomorrow for the rest of the count. Um, check into the journal for our count centre database where we are updating each and every count and showing you who is elected in each constituency um, and also obviously we have our continuing rolling coverage if you spot anything that you're dubious about send us an email and we will fact check it um, and we'll be back later in the week with the next episode of The Explainer Sinead can I give you another update? 
Yes. Regina Doherty has been eliminated. So that was expected for the last few hours. Um, Helen McEntee and Regina Doherty are in the same constituency. It had kind of been clear that there weren't two seats for Fianna Gael there, but it's still a huge high profile loss um, for Fianna Gael. One of the most prolific media performers and um, one of the most loyal party members um, would have been uh, a, a huge um, part of Leo Varadkar's team. Um, so that is, I think, a, a massive blow um, for, for Regina Doherty herself, but also Fianna Gael at large. And that's the final update we'll have. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was Nikki Ryan, our producer here at The Explainer um, and reporter with the Journal.ie. Thank you for listening to this special episode of The Explainer and a big thank you to the entire Journal.ie newsroom staff for contributing and particular thanks to Nicky Ryan, our producer, for following me around the newsroom with a microphone and his updates. If you enjoyed this chat and learned something, we have loads more for you on General Election 2020. Check out our back catalogue where you'll find our first ever live episode which featured Gary Murphy, Lee's Hand, Kevin Cunningham and Adrian Kavanagh an excellent chat, not just on the specifics of General Election 2020 but on the entire um, political system in Ireland so even if it's after the count you will absolutely get loads from it this episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan producer Aoife Barry and as I said assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan if you are enjoying these episodes please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and more importantly share them with a friend who you think will enjoy them thank you and catch you next time